Hey guys, welcome to another episode of Talking Politics. I am your host, Nick Vengoche. Today we have Andy on the show. I can't pronounce his last name. Just wait for him to say it, then you'll get it. Uh, he is another podcast host. He very smart guy. He's an intellectual. We have a great conversation. Please share the show with a friend and remember to subscribe. Enjoy. Hey, welcome to the show. Hey, thank you, Nick, for having me. Um, so uh, let me introduce myself uh, real quick. Uh, my name is Andy Chakrabodi, and I am the host of uh, Money Nation podcast, which is a show about uh, money, uh, business, um, all things money, stocks, real estate, investing, and whatnot. You, you should check it out. Um, the show is on um, all the podcasting platforms. Um, a little bit about me. I'm a, I'm a uh, I'm a professional. Uh, I I work in this in the tech sector, and I also do a lot of um, side uh, gigs, and podcasting is, is one of them. Um, I have uh, also some some businesses around uh, real estate and uh, and um, and and tech as well. Uh, so that's in a nutshell uh, my profile, and um, and that's it. So you say you do work in tech. What kind of work do you mean? Uh, so it's uh, mostly uh, project management and uh, business development. I used to. I don't do coding. I used to. For uh, I mean, basically, um, my line of work is mostly going to do like managing projects um, and not hardcore tech. Um, so I manage mostly engineering projects, infrastructure related ones, um, and I've been doing it for a long time. So do you see the rise of technology and the some politicians have called it the fourth industrial revolution. Do you, do you think tech in the future is going to be an issue? Uh, I'm not really sure um, as to what the future will hold because, um, I, I mean, if you go back and look at the 80s uh, or watch the sci-fi uh, movies uh, made back then, we should all have like hover, like, you know, spacecrafts and we should have all our own transportation uh, I don't know, cars or whatever floating mm-hmm. around uh, around the block. Well, that didn't happen. Um, so there are a lot of rosy pictures being painted. There are a lot of startups out there. A few are good ones, definitely, no doubt about it. Um, you know, um, solid ideas, solid funding, and they can go a long way in uh, in changing things, changing the world as we see it today. But uh, the majority of those companies, I'm not really sure whether they are viable in terms of businesses or whether their ideas uh, are really uh, worthwhile. So what about the revolution of like self-driving trucks? Uh, there's like 3 million truck drivers who do that as their job. So do you think that would have, do you think that's a serious thing that as a country we should worry about? Well, I mean, I, there are pros and cons to that. I mean, so, there are definitely cons that people are losing jobs if from uh, like you know from the revolution or so-called revolution that tech uh, brings along, no doubt about it. Uh, and then there is also the fact that if you have self-driving cars or like you know cars uh, running on say renewable energy um, or electric uh, for, for that matter, battery-driven cars, those are much better for the environment. 
I mean, they have caused less pollution. Uh, they are, uh, they don't have as much, um, you know, uh, consumption of uh, conventional fuels that's needed. Uh, so it's a mixed bag, I would say. I mean, it depends on which uh, side of the either political spectrum you are to look at it uh, and, you know, judge uh, what the net benefit is. Mm-hmm. So uh, it, have you been keeping up with the 2020 candidates for, well, just the Democrat side? Trump's the Republican one, so have you been keeping yeah, up? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I well, I've watched a few debates uh, from on the Democratic side. Uh, it's again, um, I'm not really sure at this point. This is still early. Um, the primaries haven't happened yet. I mean, mm-hmm. it's probably like a few months down the line. Um, it's a little difficult to see any one of them as being a very a viable contender to Trump. Um, the only reason, I mean, these are very nice guys and 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 girls are the lack of a better term. But, I mean, the way Trump approaches his politics is, like, very, uh, you know, confrontational and uh, and uh, very personal. Um, I'm not really sure whether any one of those candidates in the Democratic field right now can kind of, um, kind of go up against that kind of uh, attack, so mm-hmm. to speak. So... so that's kind of my general impression as to where the race, I mean, where the what the democratic field looks like right now. It might evolve. I mean, people, things may change, but as of now, I think that's the, that's the general impression I get. So where do you usually align yourself politically? So I, I realize that there are a lot of uh, good policies uh, that exist on both sides of the aisle. For instance, um, I, I am for, uh, you know, uh, the social, um, uh, social liberal policies like LGBTQ community or for guns, for that matter. Um, I am, I am pro, um, uh, and also the, uh, the deba- debate about ab- abortion. Uh, I, my positions tend to lean to the left, but there are other um, uh, issues where I don't really see eye to eye with the Democrats. One of them being taxes. Uh, the other, other one being, um, you know, too much of government control of everything. I mean, there, there should be government control in, in uh, industries and also to regulate the market to a certain extent, but not to the extent that Elizabeth Warren wants. I mean, that will kill capitalism as we know it, which I don't really uh, subscribe to. So that's, that's where I'm at. So you're for some uh, regulations on the market? Oh, absolutely. I mean, I mean, if you, I mean, you cannot let Wall Street go unregulated. I mean, mm-hmm. you have to, you have to uh, avoid the potential uh, repetition of two thousand eight uh, crisis. So you have to have uh, some control over the banks and the hedge funds. Uh, you have to have some um, oversight over what they are getting into. Um, uh, so there should be some strong legislation to discourage the behavior that got. Uh, you know that that kind of uh, hap- that happened before 2008 market crash, but that doesn't mean that you institute a wealth tax. That doesn't mean that oh, by the way, you you have three hundred fifty thousand dollars in your checking in your uh, bank account, and since uh, you fall under whatever bracket of wealth tax, I'm going to the government will take ten percent of it. 
that's not right. I mean, it the, the tax, I think that's not constitutional either. The, the taxation system should be fair, should be progressive, no doubt, but it should not also uh, punish people for being successful. Yeah, well, I, I'm not one who agrees with the idea of a, like a net wealth tax like Elizabeth Warren is proposing. Yeah. I, I understand people who make an income, like we'll just say, make a billion dollars a year, maybe, yeah, all right, add a couple percentage for them. But if we're talking about going and looking at all their assets, finding out how much they're worth, and then taxing them based off that, I feel like you shouldn't punch, punish someone for like saving money, for example. I, I agree. I agree. I mean, uh, I mean, there are uh, people who have worked all their lives and they have saved up and, and they, their savings are substantial. So if you are, you know, putting those people within that wealth tax bracket, then they lose like, you know, most of their savings throughout the years, which they have accumulated through hard work. And that's not, that's not acceptable to me. Mm-hmm. So your podcast you talk a lot about uh, GDP, stock market. So right now we hear Trump saying GDP all time high. Uh, in your expert opinion, is the economy doing well? I mean, uh, it's a very uh, uncertain time uh, in the markets and also the global economy. Mm-hmm. I mean, a lot of uncertainty has to do with this uh, this trade war that we're ha- we're having with China, and it's uh, you know one week you're having the news that okay we are putting in tariffs for uh, X hundred billion dollars, and then the next week oh by the way we are postponing those, and then China does something and then they post postpone and they withdraw those measures. So it's a lot of like you know uh, push and pull going on. Uh, it's definitely. Uh, uh, there is a, uh, there is a, uh, you know, the end game being who, who comes out the the, uh, the cleanest uh, among the dirty shirts uh, before the 2020 elections. I mean, the Trump the Trump policies and Trump maneuvers definitely they they indicate that he has an eye towards the 2020 elections before making those uh, decisions or judgments. So it, I would assume that. In the next year, year and a half, uh, we are going to see some wild market swings based on um, where this trade war goes. Uh, there are other um, issues uh, in the pipeline as well, which doesn't really uh, help the economy. It's the, for instance, the Middle East incident that happened last last week or so um, uh, with uh, you know Saudi Arabian oil facility mm-hmm. being knocked out. Uh, so that has also uh, potential implications for the economy. Um, although the, the retail um, spending, if you look at it, people are still spending money. Um, now, that whether that remains at the same level or not, for the next three, four, five months, it remains to be seen. I mean, we have, as I said, like we have a very uncertain time. And I, I for one, am a very conservative person. And I would, uh, I would not... You know, venture into um, uncharted territory or invest in, uh, you know, new industries uh, right now. I, I'll hold off to my money and let's see how the things uh, evolve and then make my, my decisions as far as investing is concerned. So are you 
personally against the tariffs or like so china has been like uh stealing our technology or you know they do unfair practices did somewhat do something to fight back or what do you think i think i think we should but it ha- it should have been done long time back because china has taken advantage of the united states for a long time it started way back in the 80s and it still happened um and we kind of left the door open for them to come and take whatever they want to take so there definitely has to be some kind of uh, you know rule book that if we are um importing uh, like you know most of our uh, goods from them they should be held account held accountable to uh, our labor laws and environmental laws and they they have to compete with with uh, american companies and not only that they have to open their markets to american companies which they haven't done um and their their currency um practices are also very very dubious uh that that doesn't help uh the american companies either or the american consumers either so those behaviors and also the 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 balance sheet that they have which have been accumulated over years of uh this uh, you know trade surplus that has gone into fund their military and uh, that's also a concerning thing so no doubt that china needs to be um uh, reined in but whether it is um, through a trade war such as this or through years of planned strategy we can have debate over that i i don't agree that this like you know uh, flash in the pan decision making as far as trade uh, trade war goes is very helpful i mean you have to have a strategy and you got to have a long term vision of how china should be reined in and how we can compete with that um that's my view well yeah i tend to agree with that view as well i think we should do something about it my issue is just the the way trump goes about it like he sends a tweet just randomly one day we're going to add a 10% uh tariff on china yeah that's going to make the markets go crazy that it's going to make a lot of people feel nervous and then he comes out 5 days later we're not doing the tariff anymore you know it's, yeah i mean it's essentially like he's all, almost like playing the market and uh, and with all the uh, scandals and corruptions that are coming out and i don't know who's who's benefiting from those kind of uh, actions i mean there are uh, i'm sure things will come out when he leaves the presidency but it's a very uncertain time and also very uh, unprecedented time i would say as far as you know the behavior coming out of the white house is concerned mm-hmm. well i i'm sure the way trump sees it is any publicity is good publicity i'm sure yeah, <laughs> yeah. i mean he's uh, he's running his own reality show here <laughs> <laughs> so uh let's talk a little bit about uh domestic policies like a uh, well yeah do you agree with a lot of the democratic uh edits about universal health care well i mean i i am a little skeptical of whether that can work in a country like the US i mean we saw the experiment that obamacare was now with obamacare be in place there i mean it's still the law of the land and whether uh, obamacare was effective 
in controlling the actual costs of uh, of uh, health healthcare, whether the, this was effective in bringing down premiums, it's open to debate. But the data shows that it actually has not. I mean, costs have been creeping up even after Obamacare was passed. So now, if we try that universal healthcare, single payer option, Medicaid, uh, uh, Medicare for all, it's whether that will turn the system that we have in place from being a more, um, what should I say, like, you know, more results oriented, um, uh, you know, healthcare system to more of a, a bureaucratic, slow system like either Canada has or the UK has or any other European countries have. I mean, that's, that's something that is, uh, scares people. That's something that people, they don't want to be a part of. Um, but it's, it's interesting to see how those policy proposals are actually implemented when, if and when uh, any of the Democrats come to, come to power. Uh, I mean, if we have a divided government, like a Democratic president and, a, and a, maybe a Republican Congress or the vice versa, it will, be, uh, it will be a battle and you won't get 100% of the policy proposals that you are uh, advocating. Um, so it'll be interesting, but I personally don't feel that Medicare for all is an affordable solution for this country. Yeah, I think I, for me, I think the way we go about the healthcare system, if, if we choose a Medicare for all type thing, mm -hmm. I would choose everyone gets it no matter what you go, you don't need any cards or anything. You just show up at the hospital. Mm -hmm. you're a citizen, you get healthcare, and then if mm -hmm. extra insurance, you can, it's sort of like how Medicare works now for yep. people who are old enough to get it. Right, right. I mean, I think the, the major stumbling block for that kind of uh, system of in, in working is basically who pays for it and how, mm -hmm. how that, where that money is coming from. Uh, I mean, it's definitely has to be some uh, some kind of um, uh, taxpayer uh, contribution, and uh, does does it increase your uh, you know income taxes and any other taxes for that matter? So and also we have uh, you know programs, uh, entitlement programs which are running into insolvency. So it's it's a it's a it's a problem of with like multi dimensions. I mean if if you increase taxes. Uh, for your healthcare, then uh, you don't have much room uh, to tax your people to fix the entitlement holes that you're already in. So it's it's a it's a tough balancing act uh, which the next president has to has to perform. Yeah, it's it's going to be. I I just wonder what they're going to do. Mm -hmm. So that was what I told you was my favorite plan from the Democrat side. My personal belief is I think we try to regulate like the amount of competition they can have. Like right now you can't buy health insurance across state lines for some, right. which I think you open up the market, add the amount of supply to meet the demand, mm -hmm. it will ultimately lower the price. That's just, yeah. I mean, I mean, that's, that's something that's a, that's a, a good idea coming for coming out from the uh, Democrats. Like, yeah, we should be, uh, we should be able to purchase insurance uh, across state lines. I mean, if you should have 
that flexibility and we can have just one central marketplace. Obamacare tried that, but it, for some reason it was not designed properly. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I agree with that, that, is, that uh, proposal. So where do you uh, align yourself when it comes to the gun debate? We've had a lot of mass shootings this year. It's like over 200 something. Yeah, yeah. I, I personally tend to agree with a lot of dem- Democrats that, that uh, you know, further gun control is absolutely needed. I mean, they are the assault weapons, the AK-47s, uh, they are not something that should be in civilian hands. Uh, they are, uh, you know, military uh, tools and they should be left to the military. I mean, if you are a hunter or if you are uh, somebody who uses gun for recreational purposes, you should have, you should be, uh, you know, maybe a shotgun or maybe a handgun. And if you, you should have a license, you should be uh, undergoing thorough background checks and you should be renewing your license every, I don't know, whatever the time period is, two years, three years, so that there is a continuous assessment of your mental and physical ability uh, to, to own a gun and to use it. So I am for more regulations on guns um, and I am uh, definitely in favor of uh, an assault weapon ban. So you believe that for the assault weapon ban, just get rid of it completely? Just oh, absolutely. Because because I mean, if you think of it, over the last few years, how many shootings have we have we gone through? I mean, think of like you know somebody in a school or somebody in a mall, somebody in a in a in a movie theater. I mean, some uh, uh, some one individual with a, with an AK forty seven can kill like scores of people mm-hmm. so why would some uh, somebody need an ak-47 in a civil society well yeah i, I mean you're, I you're not hunting you are not hunting with ak-47 right you're not uh, you know going to a, a shooting range and just practicing your targets with ak-47 because that's not a high precision gun so why would you need it that's my question well, yeah, oh, I, I agree. AK-47s, there's really no need for it. For yeah. But for AR-15s, for example, I, I live in Virginia. I know a lot of people who hunt with AR-15s. I'm sure they could figure out different ways to hunt. I'm sure people would adapt. But what do we do with the already existing guns? Right, it's a good question. I mean, there should be some kind of a program where those guns, I mean, whether we, whether the government comes out and says we can't confiscate guns from the citizens, because that will be, con, uh, you know, contradicting the Second Amendment. But there has to be some, uh, some kind of a, a, a proposal where these kind of assault weapons are uh, not out in circulation. Um, whether that's like a total confiscation or the, some, some incentive program can be debated. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, that's, that's all I have on that. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, let's move on to another big topic that people are chatting about, uh, immigration. Yes. Uh, what do you think we should change with our current system? We should change, definitely change our current system, but that change should not be based on people's skin color 
people's religion uh, and uh, i mean things which are not uh, they don't really define america as a country as we know it i mean i'm an immigrant myself i'm i'm a naturalized us citizen but um, what i what i think that this country offers so many opportunities to people who are uh, who have the capability to take the take on those opportunities and that should be opened up i'm in favor of expanded legal immigration uh, you know the people should come into the country lawfully and when i say lawfully that the the lawful process should not be so painful that the people resort to illegal means or unlawful means say for instance i'm i'm giving an example um uh, countries like say china countries like india and these are big countries right and a lot of people uh, they they come to study in uh, american uh, schools and colleges a lot of people get uh, you know work visas uh, come here a lot, lot of a lot of them are my friends uh, they come here and they uh, they want to settle down they want to buy a house they want to open up a business uh, their 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 children their their wives they, they you know they go to schools and they uh, you know they have a social circle around here but the, a backlog for green cards for these individuals who are coming from larger countries like india and china are so much that they, their dreams of settling here are getting disrupted because they they don't know when they're going to get their green cards it may be 25 years in some cases it may be 30 40 50 years that's the extent of backlog what we're talking about so imagine this say a country like as tiny as say i don't know luxembourg has the same number of visas allocated as a country like india or china for that matter so it doesn't make sense so that those kind of uh, those kind of um, you know uh, anomalies have to be addressed um, then the system the law the legal system needs to be made fair uh, and i am not in favor of any legal immigration but uh, i mean what is going on now uh, now is almost like inhumane of the, the attitude of the government towards the people who are coming in from the south american countries there should be more engagement with the governments of this country so that there's no exodus across the border but overall i am opposed to illegal immigration and there should be a, a means there should be proper means and methods of like you know cut, cutting down that flow through constructive engagements with the with the respective governments but not with not like Uh, you know treating people like animals mm-hmm. so do you do you believe that we should have when it comes to legal immigration that mm-hmm. we should have some sort of merit based system or yeah i mean why not i mean people who see, look at australia uh, australia for the for the last 20 years their immigration system has performed beautifully and a lot of people have gone and settled in australia and they have, they have prospered really uh look at i mean look at canada i mean they have a a, a very good merit based immigration system getting a green card takes 3 years 3 years and within 5 years i think you can get your canadian citizenship so it's a very uh, streamlined process it's a very efficient process it's something that when we are devising a new immig- or new uh, uh, revision to our immigration system we should look into very carefully so for me a a big issue that i have with the way our current immigration system is mm-hmm. or just just to point out the obvious it's so hard to immigrate here legally 
that people would rather go through a cartel and come here illegally and risk their lives. Right. Like, that's mind-blowing to me. Obviously, we need to change something. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I completely agree. I mean, the legal immigration system needs to be overhauled and needs to be uh, more focused on what our country's needs are and needs to be fair. I mean, people who are coming in, they are they are people. I mean, they are not some animals coming in. So the, the system needs to treat, treat people with respect and with fairness. Mm-hmm. So final topic, last big issue, climate change. Yes. You believe it, don't believe it. What do you think steps we should take? Just let me know what you think. I, I, I believe it. I, I believe in science. Um, I mean, there is, there has been um, evidence of uh, climate change being real, and um, you know, climatic patterns affecting uh, people's uh, livelihood, people's uh, uh, you know habitats. Um, so I I think there should be strong action, not only on on a governmental level but also uh, on a uh, more like people-to-people uh, level in terms of raising awareness, in terms of, um, you, know, uh, you know, getting projects and uh, looking at what we can do. Like, for instance, uh, coastal resilience. If you have hurricanes coming in on the, along the East Coast and these hurricanes are a lot deadlier than we have seen over the last, I don't know, 20, 30 years. Mm-hmm. And the effect of these kind of, uh, natural events are are deadly on people's homes people, uh, along the eastern coastline, um, and they are they are having significant monetary impacts. So we should look at what the human activity uh, that we are producing, like greenhouse gas emission, or you know getting the of the auto emission standards revised uh, to to meet um, the more um, environmentally friendly. Uh, thresholds, so those kind of things I, have, has to be looked at, and that's a ser- it's a serious uh, problem. It's as I mean, it should remain a problem rather than getting into a crisis. So I believe that we are we are missing missing the boat if we have not already. So do you believe? So you, earlier you said you don't really like taxes. Do you think that we should have some sort of carbon tax to somewhat incentivize people to move away from the carbon? Uh, I, I believe that people who are actually causing these greenhouse gas emissions or uh, other activities that are just fueling the climate change, they should be identified and either they should be taxed or they should be made to pay some kind of a fee in order to offset these activities. I don't believe that this should be spread out again in the general uh, pop- population. I mean, uh, they, you, know, you can you can argue that yeah, in, in, uh, if those companies they get uh, fees uh, or taxes, they are going to pass it on to their consumers. But uh, let's let's have the discussion and let's see if they can. I mean, why why would they? Uh, why can't we uh, you know make the supply chains more efficient rather than passing those costs uh, to the to the to the consumers? Mm-hmm. So I mean, uh, we have to have those kind of discussions where. You have to be scientific. You have to be very reasonable rather than just ignoring or denying that climate change is actually happening. Yeah, it's definitely a conversation that the U.S. is having a hard time just to have about what to do. You have people arguing about whether or not it's real. 
obviously it is real. I understand the arguments about people saying uh, it's real, but to what extent, which there is multiple uh, studies that rates at how bad it is. But it's also something we should just fix. Why wait till it gets bad? Exactly. I mean, we should be proactive. I mean, I think the the Rio uh, summit back in 1992, I remember, and the Kyoto Protocol in Japan, I remember. So there were times when the world actually came together to take action. But uh, the recent um, U.S. administrations have not been really very active. On, they have been on the side of climate deniers, uh, for crying out loud. Um, so needs some serious thought and some, some introspection as to where we are going and how we are uh, leaving the planet for our kids. So do you think we should move towards something like nuclear energy at all? Uh, we should definitely uh, look at uh, non-conventional sources of energy, nuclear being one, although nuclear has the potential of um, uh, you know, being unsafe. Uh, we should look at definitely wind. We should look at solar. Um, you know, anything to, to move away from, from dirty coal. Um, I uh, no disrespect to people uh, out of West Virginia, but I think we should balance uh, our uh, energy consumption uh, in a way that it doesn't harm the climate anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you think that there may be any sort of economic repercussions by trying to force a change? Uh, you're talking about China? Uh, no, I mean, just U.S. Trying to force the U.S. to change from uh, carbon-based fuel to electric or nuclear, any of that, do you think there's possible economic implications by doing that? Uh, there probably will, but um, I mean, that that is, the cap- that is the magic of capitalism. I mean, if one industry goes down, the other rises, and people who are uh, somehow dislocated from, their, uh, from that industry can they be retrained or can they, can they be innovative enough to go to the other industry and, and, and uh, be productive? So that has happened over those over centuries. And uh, I mean, this is a change that we really need to make. Mm-hmm. And uh, with, with that kind of proactive mindset, if we go about it, then we can maybe manage the, the unintended consequences. All right. Well, that's, that's all I had for, interview questions for you today. So would you like to share anything with the audience before you go? Sure. I uh, just uh, wanted to say thank you very much for having uh, having me in your show. Uh, I, I love your show. I, I listen to it, um, uh, you know, every, every, every time it comes out. And I would also request uh, the members of the audience to check out my show, uh, The Money Nation, uh, on Anchor, and it's on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, all the other podcasting platforms. Uh, so thank you again, Nick, for giving me this opportunity, and uh, we hope to, uh, I hope to work with you again in the future. Yeah, well, thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you.